OmegaMetroid.com is here. We're so proud to finally share our website with you, giving Metroid fans a dedicated one-stop shop for the latest news, fan creations, walkthroughs, maps, and of course, the latest episodes of the Omega Metroid Podcast. That's not all. If you'd rather listen on YouTube, you can check out episodes there. And if you really want to take your Omega Metroid experience to the next level, consider supporting us on Patreon. You'll get access to special Discord roles, a platform on the website to promote your projects, exclusive bonus shows, and so much more. Memberships start as low as $1 a month. OmegaMetroid.com is the source of all this great content. So whether you're a new Metroid fan or a series veteran, OmegaMetroid.com is the place for you. Check out OmegaMetroid.com today. Hello everyone and welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri. Joined by Alice and Aletha. Al, how are you today, my friend? I was so I was actually looking, and I was like, I was looking for our DMs. I was like, why has it been so long since the two of us talked? It's been like two weeks, and uh, it, it just seemed odd. The last time we had talked was on the fourteenth, even though we talked last week. So uh, just a little random factoid for you there, Al. How are you? Well, I guess because we were communicating in a different chat with Rod so that we could have him on our episode last week. Yes. That's probably why. I think, yeah, I think that was a culprit. But I was just yep. like, it feels like I haven't talked to Al in a while, even though, <laughs> even though that's <laughs> not true. every week. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. more than once a week, as is this upcoming week. Right. Yep. Very true. Um, I'm good. I'm having a very weird weekend. My sister moved away officially yesterday, and we've been living together for almost four years, so... Oh. And it's like, it's not like she's just moving across town. She moved to a different state. So I've been really bummed, but also like keeping myself busy by cleaning and reorganizing my house and like preparing to like set it up how I want. So right. that part's cool. But other than that, I'm kind of bummed. Oh, I miss that, her already. That's too bad. How, uh, if you don't mind, how come your sister moved away? She, um, she is with this guy who his son was moving down there you know so he wanted to follow his son and she wanted to go with him and you know she just she she also needed like you know to have that kind of adventure where you go away for a while because i feel like all my siblings did that and this now it's her turn so she she's on a new adventure and i'm excited for her but i'm bummed for me <laughs> that's fair yeah. um my sister lived with me for like i want to say it was like an eight month spell where kind of, everything kind of lined up perfectly, where my roommate had moved out, and uh, I was girlfriendless at the time, so I didn't have anyone to live with, and I didn't have any roommates to live with, and my sister had a lease that was expiring, and she needed somewhere to stay for like, I don't know, eight months before her and her now husband were finally got a place together, so her and I lived together for like eight months, and I thought that we would like we get along great when we don't live together, but when we were kids and lived together, we fought like cats and dogs. And uh, I thought that we would kind of fight like cats and dogs when we lived together as adults, but it actually wasn't too bad. So I, I kind of empathize with you. I feel that a little bit. Not that I was like all that sad when my sister moved out, mind you, but you know. <laughs> yeah, of course, it's that time. We were, obviously weren't going to live together forever. We kind of went into this house together, but right. 
Yeah, if if she was like moving across town, it wouldn't be such a big deal. But this is a pretty big deal. Totally. Um, I just want I want to give a shout out actually before we get started on today's episode to my cat Zora who is crawling all around my computer and microphone right now. But also, it was her ninth birthday yesterday. Aww. I just I, I can't believe it. They grow up so Happy fast. Happy birthday! They do. That's cute. I gave her um, a bunch of tuna to eat yesterday, and uh, she ate she ate some of it, and then we just gave the rest to Link, who uh, <laughs> demolished it in about <laughs> 0.6 seconds. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, all right, so we don't got a lot going on today. Let's be honest. There is nothing in the world of Zelda news that's happening. There is nothing really in the world of Nintendo news that's happening. The the most noteworthy thing has actually been some bad press about Nintendo. Um, you know, crunch, I guess, if you want to call it, uh, culture kind of making its way to the Nintendo news world. And, and actually, we're going to have some uh, some stuff to talk about next week on that subject. But uh, the other than that, the most noteworthy thing going on is Nintendo Switch Sports came out. And I don't know, man. It feels like we are in the dog days of springtime, going into summer, just waiting for E3. You know, I did see, Al, I did see that Microsoft announced a, like, they're basically like a, an Xbox Direct on uh, June, I want to say 12th. The Basically when E3 would be. So I'm hoping that maybe Nintendo will follow suit and say, like, here is our presentation, like, X amount of days in advance. Hoping. Be nice. That would be nice. Like, you know they're going to do one, but <laughs> it would be nice to have some kind of advance notification. <laughs> no kidding. Um, so, with that being said, there is nothing, nothing going on in the world of Zelda. So we are going to reach in our back pocket. And we're going to let this Zelda dungeon writing staff write our show for us this week. That's right. It's another week where we go and we look at some of the engaging, insightful and creative daily debates that our writing team has mustered up over the last month or so. And we're going to answer and give our two cents on these different daily debates. And uh, we're going to have a fun little show, even though there's nothing going on in the world of Zelda. We have to make our own news. <laughs> we, we have to fake it until we make it, as they say. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I guess one, one thing that I did see... That was noteworthy. I, I can't even remember if it happened this week or last week. But we got the rare reverse delay for Xenoblade Chronicles 3, where the release was actually pushed up three months. So Oh, well, there you go. That's awesome. Yeah, there you go. Uh, there was a little bit of cynicism, actually, regarding that. Because that announcement happened to coincide with the story that Nintendo had kind of been working some of their... Uh, some of their workers into the ground. So, hey, I don't know. A little bit of good, a little bit of bad. But uh, let's let's get started on these daily debate questions here, Al. Um, and let's start off with our old buddy, Kat Vadam, who is back in the ZD saddle. Mom of the year, Kat Vadam. Um, nice. Her daily debate question is, which race of Hyrule should have a standalone game? Al, what say you? Oh, okay. Wow, that's interesting. That's and hard. Okay. Um I could see <sighs> Why does it have to be one? Maybe it could just be like a standalone game with the main like three like No, you can't do that. You can't do Dang that. It. I'm not going to allow that. No way. I'm not no cheating for me today. No. Okay. 
I would probably like to... Uh, oh god. Okay, well, maybe, like, the Gerudo, does Gerudo count as a oh, yeah. separate race? Okay. I was gonna ask if Sheikah count as a separate race. Oh, yeah, there you go. But I think I'd be more, uh, more excited to see something with the Gerudo, because, like, I feel like we've always seen the Sheikah kind of pop up and yeah. more information about them, but we still, like, still only have so much on the Gerudo, and I'd like to see, like, maybe their origins. That'd be kind of cool. You know what would be a really cool Gerudo game is like something that uh, um, something that kind of explain the origin of it's not a curse but like why there's only like one Gerudo male born every hundred years. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm thinking like Mass Effect kind of in Mass Effect there's a race of species called the Krogan and there's something called the Genophage which like significantly limits their ability to populate and to see the origin of that was kind of cool and like <clears throat> um, something similar with the Gerudo could be pretty engaging as well uh, to to me Sheikah is still like a, a high up there option just because like i mean you know me i'm a big castlevania guy and like that just seems like a perfect little like castlevania-esque game to have a Sheikah like a dark moody lots of monsters and stuff like that i think garuda would have been my second choice um but you know what you know what could be cute and charming actually is a little deku game i think that that would be Thinking i think that, that could be good too, yeah yeah um okay so great question so Gerudo is, is kind of the, the takeaway here. Um, also, I should probably apologize. I was telling Allison before we started here, but my throat's feeling pretty ravaged. Uh, so if I'm if I'm sounding like uh, John Laurinaitis here, I'm sorry. Um, this next daily debate is from JC, Judy Calder. Which non-playable character from the Zelda series is the most irritating? Wow. Irritating. There's a there's a handful that I could maybe think of off the top of my head. And actually, I feel like this is a little bit unfair, but the first the first one that came to my mind is Honey and Darling. Uh oh, the, the guys who God. are like so in love and they just spin around and around and around and around. Um that I I think that uh they they could be they could be up there. We see I there's a lot of comments here that are low-hanging fruit where it's like navi or fee or whatever scrapper um i'm not buying any of that i, I think maybe honey and darling i think that uh maybe you could what does does the imprison count maybe i don't know maybe like but when i think of npc i think of like a cute side character that you don't really have to yeah. fight <laughs> okay so imprison doesn't count but uh honey and darling um are definitely one let's see i think that uh um i had someone on the tip of my tongue from link's awakening and now he's gone you know what i know who it was uh i was gonna say probably talon a little bit because he's kind of like a doofus he's always getting himself into trouble yeah i mean he turned into like that rabbit and then he got the beehive stuck on him he's kind of like a lovable fool but yeah I feel like I have a character that I just absolutely loathe, and for the, some reason, I can't think of them fully. But um, Honey <clears throat> and Darling's a good one for sure. But, oh god, of course I'm going to like space on all names here. But the um, like the farmhand guy that kind of took over in Ocarina of Time. Oh, Ingo. What was his name? Ingo. I don't... <laughs> that guy in both Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask just drives me nuts except for in Majora's Mask at least he has a little bit of redemption when you can like play music for him and whatnot 
and you know, get a mask from him. But like even still, like he really like grinds my gears in Ocarina of Time. Right. Well, I was uh, I was gonna say another character. I was and then I was like, no, irritating isn't the right word. Because I think loathsome might be the right word. Do you know where I'm going with this? I no. Where are you going with this? All right. I I think that you sh- shame on you for not knowing who is the most loathsome character in the series, and that is of course Ilya from Twilight Princess. Irritating doesn't quite cut it, like because she's not. I mean, she is irritating, but it goes so much far beyond that, right? Like it's just she's just like the I, absolute worst. I feel more irritating than loathsome. You you have this like very uh, special hatred for Ilya, and I'm just like, eh, I don't really care for Ilya. Every time I see her. I just, my eyes get a little bit red. They start to water. They get a little bit itchy. Twitchy? Like, I I, just, I don't know. Irritating yeah, is too kind eye. for you, Ilya, okay? Oh um, let's move on. Kat is back with another great question. What made Link's Awakening so beloved? Oh, well, you know, I mean, that's that's different for, for everybody. I will tell you True. what made it beloved to me. Um, and that is... That, that's kind of, it, it had one of those endings, right? And it's all about the ending in Link's Awakening that really made you think and made you question if what you did was good or not, or if the events that unfolded were good or if they weren't good. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like books and comics. The Watchmen comes to mind actually for me where I read it and I was like, wow, this is incredible. Like the ending was so good because I don't really know if the end justified the means or if not. And uh, I, I feel like this was kind of uh, an ending exactly like that, where it was like, wow, I, uh, you know, I know that we had to, but did we really have to? And and with doing this good, there was also bad. So I, for me, it's that kind of uh, the maturity, I guess, of the game and the ending of the story, even though it's this bright, colorful game that really makes it stick out to me. And, and, I mean, it's also just an incredibly solid game as well, but it's definitely the story and the questions for me. Yeah, and like you said, it's different for everybody. This one is kind of hard for me to answer because I hadn't played it until 2019, so I didn't really understand all of the love for it or the hype for it. Not saying that I disagreed, it's just I didn't get it until I played it. So I would agree that it's definitely, like, the story because it, it was so different from you know, Zelda games up until that point, and also a lot of other, you know, video games up until that point, it was, it definitely kind of made you question what the heck you were doing there, and it made you kind of fall in love with this little world, and then, and then made you make a hard decision at the end, so I would say just because the story on it was so different and unique. Totally, Um, all right, this is from Shaquel, Shaquel asks, which incarnation of Link looks the best? All right, looks the best. Let's get superficial, Al. What do you think? This is hard. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to cheat, okay? I'm going to oh, cheat. Okay. And I know I told you that you can cheat earlier, but since I'm going to cheat, I'll let you cheat as well. So it's like a three-way race for me, actually. Um, one, Ocarina of Time Link is just so classic. So classic. The look is just a classic, timeless. Uh, so that's one. Uh, number two, I think Breath of the Wild Link looks incredible. Although I actually, I'm not a big fan of like the official artwork, but more so his character like in the game. It looks so uh, Ghibli-esque that I think that it looks fantastic. 
And then three, I really, really love Plump Link from The Legend of Zelda, like the first Legend of Zelda. He just, he looks so cute. It's kind of like the last week when we were talking about Tunic and like the, the instruction manual. Like, obviously that was derived from Plump Link from NES. Um, and I, there's just something about him that's just like, it's just this like, it truly gets across the point of like, it is this regular little boy who is this great hero, this unsuspecting hero. So I have a three-way tie. Okay. I, um, I agree with some of those. I really do like uh, Breath of the Wild Link too. Um, I just, there's always been something about him that just seems kind of, I don't know, like smaller than the other Links. I don't know why I always thought that. He just kind of seems shorter or something, maybe younger. Um, but I really think that given if it had had better, um, I don't know, dimension put to him, I guess I could say, is that I always like the look of Twilight Princess Link. Oh, come on. What? I always did. Like, I, he's like kind of, he's very cool and he seems a little bit more mature. That's like that the worst thing. one. No, it's not. I think he has a very good look. I just think he needs a little bit more, you know love and care to the artwork because oh it's so God. flat i can't believe what i'm hearing right now i don't think this is a hard uh like pass for anyone else except you <laughs> uh, let's just move on uh mike asks how often do you replay zelda games well uh pretty often for this podcast and for the zelda dungeon marathon and for uh you know the love of Zelda that we have. This is obviously a question skewed to a more casual fan base. It's not really one that's skewed to you and I, Al. Right. And I will say that, you know, people that go to the marathon too play replay these Zelda games a lot just to prepare for those. But I'm going to be totally honest. This is probably, I'm going <laughs> to be like the least prepared this year. I think this is the longest I've gone without re fully replaying a Zelda game. Like, I, I want to say probably like september of last year is when i last played a zelda game that's a i wonder i can't think of the last time i played so skyward sword is this summer so at least then right. and i don't i don't know if i played one since skyward sword right that's what i'm saying like this is the longest i've gone without replaying a zelda game huh. it actually so i take that back i did play i played bits and parts of the first like the first NES Zelda games for um, for my Game & Watch review. But I can't say I played the whole game. Yeah, yeah you're right. But I, I'm going to be more unprepared than you. Like, I was specifically told not to play Twilight Princess at all. <laughs> um, I should probably brush up on Minish Cap before mm -hmm. July. And I should probably brush up on Ocarina of Time. Although, I feel like my time is just going to be what it is. Like, who cares? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. We can compete to see who is more unprepared. How about that? Okay. <laughs> um, Sean has a great question. What features would you... Or let me try that again. What features would be included in your ideal hero mode or second quest? So there you go. So uh, to add a little bit of context to this question, uh, obviously we know that uh, the first Zelda game had a second quest option where like the dungeons were... The locations were tweaked and uh, some shops were, were... The locations were changed... Um, there are some different features in, you know, like the Wind Waker, you can, you can play with, uh, his little pajamas or whatever that he has in the beginning, obviously Master Quest rejigged the entire, um, you know, the entire 
uh, dungeon layout, while Breath of the Wild had master mode and stuff like that. I, I really like the, uh, I really like the idea that the dungeons are different. I think that no game has done it better since Ocarina of Time's Master Quest, and, uh, that's an easy answer, but I also think that's just because it's the best answer, um, and it's kind of surprising that we haven't seen, like, to me, like, it, if they were to release Twilight Princess and Wind Waker on the Switch separately, which I think that they will do, and it was just, like, the, the HD port, I would feel a little bit ripped off, but if they, they included, like, a Master Quest where, like, all the dungeons were reanimated and reimagined, I would be like, this is almost worth the price of admission alone for me, because I think that that's such, like, an integral part of the game, and to to change that is so, like, you're changing the game in a drastic way, so that, that would be my answer. Um, yeah, I would agree with you there. I'm not a huge person on uh, Second Quest or Master Mode or anything like that. It's not, it's not really my cup of tea. I did try Master Mode in uh, Breath of the Wild, and I beat the game, and it was fine. Um, I the There was, like, challenges where the enemies would regenerate health the longer you took to, like, defeat them, which kind of made it a little bit more fun to, like, fight a lion and stuff like that. But, it, like I said, it's not... It's not really my highest priority to get to a second quest or to get to a master mode. So, um, I would just agree with what you said. Dun switching around the dungeons, master mode, or, I'm sorry, set, whatever it is in Ocarina of Time was... Master quest. Master quest, thank you. Was interesting because not only did they, like, switch around, you know, the dungeons and stuff, but they had, like, really odd things happening in the dungeons, like cows on the walls for switches and whatnot. So, I think that that was fun and, like, kind of funny to retrace your steps like that and try and resolve puzzles that way so that makes it fun but other than that eh, I, I don't really look forward to the <laughs> to that portion of the zelda games right you know what i will say is that i'm not really a fan of just like higher difficulty uh yeah there's got to be something a little bit more for me higher difficulty is okay but it's just like i don't know it's just not as engaging to me um, I played, like, for example, I played Dread Mode in Metroid Dread, and that that's kind of fun because it's, like, a one-hit kill, so you have to change the way that you play a little bit more than you would if it was just higher difficulty. But even that, I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Like, it's this is the same thing, so, right. you know. I agree. All right, let's, uh, let's keep it going here. Well, Al, I think I can guess your answer for this question. This is from Cora. What nature setting in Zelda is your favorite wandering spot? Oh, Satori Mountain. <laughs> Shocked. <laughs> it's awesome. It's got so many, like, really good resources for you. That's always my first pit stop. Everybody who's listened to the show knows this, but, like, it has all these different grottos with all the different things that you can pick up. And, and then, of course, the Lord of the Mountain area is super cool. So yes. I love Satori Mountain. It's a very magical, awesome place. Yep, good answer. Um, I don't know. I There's... There's a couple different ones for me that come to mind, um, but actually, surprisingly, the area that, that keeps on coming to my mind for me is, like, the furthest parts of Hebra from Breath of the Wild, which sounds really strange, even to me, because it's, like, this snowy, desolate wasteland, but, like, I don't know, like, there, there was something about it where I was, like, this feels, like, so extreme and, like, so, like away from everything else in this game that it, it was like it was like wow like I, I don't even know if i should be here like if, if this is like supposed to be part of the game or something like that it just felt like so 
isolated from everything else. And of course, you can scale the mountain in Hebra and look at Hyrule Castle, and like that is very cool. But something about that that far like northwest corner of Hebra, I, I feel like is just very kind of like lonely and. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it got my creative juices flowing. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, there's other like, you know, you've got like Lake Hylia from Ocarina of Time. You've got, uh, you know, there's so many places from from those games that are that are great. You you could, I mean, you could just do like a list from Breath of the Wild and have like 20 hmm. places itself. But yeah, true. I don't know. I was surprised. I kept on. I saw this question. I kept on thinking of Hebra. So I guess I will just say Hebra. Uh, okay. This is from Brandon. This is a great question. Which uncommon dungeon theme would you like to see return in a future Zelda game? Huh. Um, so, he, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Like, for some reason, the thing, the thought that came to my mind first was kind of like the, is it the Skull Woods in uh, A Link to the Past and A Link Between Worlds, where you kind of do stuff that's on the outside that affects the stuff that's on the inside of the dungeon? Yes. I'd like that. I don't know if that's really a theme, but I, I always enjoyed that, and I think that would be kind of cool to have again. I was kind of influenced by the picture that Brandon used for his daily debate, because I saw it, and I was like, yeah. Uh, and his picture was the Temple of Time from Twilight Princess, Ooh, yeah, which I think is, like, one. a super underrated dungeon, actually. But, like, the central mechanic that you just go up and you have to bring this item back, um, and you control the item, I, I really love that dungeon, actually. I think it's, like... A great dungeon and that's i i can't think of another dungeon like it in the series um maybe maybe you could you could say that there's like similar elements in the tower of the gods but even that's kind of a stretch um so yeah i i think that that one is really great you know what else we don't really see that often either is in um the temple of droplets in minish cap where you get the boss key like immediately and you see the boss like immediately and it's just up to you to kind of like find the item to actually unfreeze that boss and fight it. So I, I think that that's actually kind of a cool technique as well. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. This is a cool question from uh, Mike Soldano, one of our new writers. If The Legend of Zelda was a turn-based RPG, which two NPCs would you choose to fight alongside Link? Ooh. How about we make a rule right here, Al, that we can't take, like, a Zelda... Or, like, a Daruk. It has to be kind of like an NPC, like, a side character, you know? Okay, I already have a cheat. <laughs> okay, go for it. Sheik. <laughs> oh, come on, no, that's... <laughs> you, said, you said no Zelda, but I, I was going, I'm going for Sheik. <laughs> I, I feel like we, we can't take the A-level NPCs. We've got to ah. take, like, the B-level NPCs, you know? Okay. Are the champions a level? I think the champ the champions to me are a level. You know what, Al? You can do whatever you want. I'm just I'm gonna play by my own rules here. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah, I feel like they have to be like a higher level because they have to be integral to the story, at least in my mind, from the the one like the games like that that I've played. So I would like Sheik, and I would also like Rivali. I think Rivali is pretty good. You're the type of person that uses legendary Pokemon in there. Pokemon party, aren't you? I actually don't. I don't ever. believe you for one second. Pick and cheek or volley, come on. What's I, my my thinking on that is like, what's the point when you only get them at the end of the game? I I never use legendary Pokemon in my party either. I feel like it's just kind of cheating. I just think it's pointless when you've built up your team the whole entire time and then you get a legendary Pokemon at the end. 
You know who my two are? Who are yours? My two Ingle? are Ricky <laughs> and Dimitri. Oh my god. <laughs> and we are going to whoop ass when we fight anybody in our turn-based <laughs> RPG. Oh, and if I'm allowed three, I'm taking Moosh. Oh, you know what? You know who would be good is the flower lady from Breath of the Wild. <laughs> oh, man. No, that would be like the final boss of the game. She'd like decimate you down to one <laughs> fraction of a heart. Calamity flower. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> flower blight. Whoever. <laughs> All right. Um, this is a great question from our pal Rod Lloyd. As, uh, you know, he always has great questions, so no surprise there. Does Breath of the Wild 2's promotional footage look too good for the Switch? I see what he's doing here. So, essentially, the rumor mill going around is that the delay in Breath of the Wild, or of Breath of the Wild 2, rather, is to coincide with new Nintendo Switch hardware. So, really, what he's asking is, do you believe that? I, I, under, I understand the question, but in my opinion, the footage that I have seen looks like a uh, work-in-progress footage, to me, at least. Like, if I'm comparing it to what Breath of the Wild looks like now, and I was seeing the things that I was seeing, it looked more cinematic and, like, work-in-progress to me. Uh, so I'm not sure if that means that it's better-looking. It just seems incomplete. You know what this footage looked like to me? looked like Breath of the Wild. It looked the exact same. So I'm going to say yeah. that's a hard no. That is a hard no for me. This is this game, I think, is coming out on the Switch. And I'm not saying that there's not a possibility where it doesn't come out like, and a higher power Switch is released. I think that that could very well be the case. But, I mean, this was a Switch-developed game. It's not... Yeah. It's not like we're seeing, like, an advanced leap from Breath of the Wild to Breath of the Wild 2. So, yeah. I getcha. There we go. Um, this is from Mike Midwood. Should a Zelda game ever have a reimagining? Um, so, this is a kind of a cool question. And almost something that we touched on last week with Tunic. Because Tunic is very much like a reimagining of Zelda 1, or maybe Link's Awakening if you want to go specific, but um, I would be all for it. I, I think that... Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that Link's Awakening 2019 was a reimagining. Um, when I think of reimagining, I think of something like a Metroid Zero Mission or Samus Returns or something like that. And I think that that could work with... With this series as well. And you could you could really kind of argue that like A Link Between Worlds was a reimagining of A Link to the Past. So yeah, I would be all for it. Why not? I would too. It's just, it's definitely weird to kind of define what what you would think a reimagining is. Like you just kind of take you know, kind of take the concept and the formula of a specific game and like rework it to be somewhat different but still similar so like what you mean with a link to the past to a link between worlds is that kind of what we're going for uh, that, that would be my definition of a reimagining like i i know that you're not like a metroid like super fan necessarily but um metroid zero mission is a reimagining of metroid one but it's like a completely new map completely new bosses completely new story like new sections it so it has like the general premise carried forward but the actual game itself is, like, completely different. 
Got you. You, you could you like could also Breath say that like Final Fantasy VII remake is kind of a reimagining as well. Got you. I still haven't played that, but I want to. Um, so kind of like how Breath of the Wild, the concept was to be similar to OG Zelda with open worldness and being able to go in any direction. Yeah. Um, but it was like obviously, you know, thirty years in the making of better technology. So. <laughs> So yeah, I would be down for that. I'd be down for that for um, something as iconic as Ocarina of Time would be kind of cool too. But maybe Breath of the Breath of the Wild Two is gonna be like the reimagining of Oracle of Ages that I think it's gonna be. That would be really cool. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. All right, this is a this is great. This is a doozy. Here we go, Al. This is from Heather. How long is too long? To wait for a game's sequel. What a topical question, Heather. <laughs> I'm yep. going to tell you something. I think that six years is too long. And I'm sorry. I know that there's COVID. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when I wrote my editorial that people were just like literally ripping me apart for. But I think six years is too long. I'm sorry. You know what? Here, here's a great example, Al. Here's a great example. Did you, back in 2009, go and see the movie avatar yeah of course you did it was the it was the highest the highest grossing movie of all time at the time now you would think that the highest grossing movie of all time they might say like let's drop what we're doing and focus all of our efforts into getting these sequels out in a timely fashion so that we can make more money but instead what has happened is uh what is it uh 13 years later we just got the trailer for the first Avatar sequel, and nobody cares. Nobody cares I mean, because it's way too long. Yeah, wasn't it leaked though? Because I've been avoiding it because I thought I heard it was a leak. The trailer. I, I mean, it's supposed to come out with a new Doctor Strange movie, but like, who who cares if it's leaked? The point is, is that like it's been thirteen years. No, I get your point. You know, yeah. like, it you missed um, the boat. It doesn't matter anymore. Same with Kingdom Hearts three. I was gonna say Kingdom Hearts three is probably a really good example where. Um, people, there will be people that are excited about it. So like us, we'll still be excited about it. We'll still wait for it. But the thing is that you're really losing, um, a lot of interest, a lot of care. There's a lot of other stuff that is coming out. There's a lot of other greatest movies of all time coming out in between, you know, Avatar and its sequels. So yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Um, as far as too long, I think, um, it's just such a weird circumstance. Like, if COVID hadn't happened, I would say that we had been waiting too long. So I'm going to give, like, a year and a half grace period for this. Right. And I think we're okay at the moment. However, I was still expecting it this year, so now I'm kind of feeling like I'm waiting too long. Yeah, I, I don't think that there is, like, a set time. I think that you have to factor yeah. in circumstance. Like, everything is different. But when that time comes, you know it. Right. It, like, you know when it's been too long. Right. And... For me, I, I feel like when Breath of the Wild got delayed, even though the delay itself was minuscule, like, we're only talking probably a couple months, it's just like, this is too long. It's too long. Like, like I said, the, you know, the Switch had never had never been hotter. The Zelda series had never been hotter than after Breath of the Wild. And I feel like, I feel like the iron has, uh, you know, they did not strike while the iron was hot. The iron is ice cold now. Can they reignite it, make it hot again? Of course. Of course they can, and I'm sure that they will, and I'm sure that when they release the trailer, it's going to be awesome, and I am going to be losing my mind like a little boy, but um, I, I do think that it's it's been too long. 
Like, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction here, and there's no real way that anyone can fact check this, but, like, I don't think Breath of the Wild 2 sells anywhere near what Breath of the Wild did. Like, not, I would say maybe even half of what it did. Ooh, I don't know about that. I don't know about half, but I can understand it not selling as well. Think about that. Half is 12 million copies, okay? Um, I, I think that that's actually, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I could see it hitting 12 million copies. Maybe I it could. I don't know. About it, like, peop- there are still people that are coming into the Zelda universe with Breath of the Wild. So I was talking to somebody the other day. Oh, uh, the Dutch Bros employee, because the Dutch Bros employee like to hop in your car and ask you your life story while they make your coffee. But um, he was asking what kind of games I play because he was asking about my life story, obviously. And I was talking about Zelda and all that kind of stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, I just picked up the new Zelda. I was like, uh... Which one are you talking about there, guy? And he said Breath of the Wild. I was like, that game is almost, like, six years old, <laughs> you know? So I there are people that are still coming into it and still thinking this is, like, the new age Zelda. So, I don't know, maybe there's still hope. I, I mean, I, I'm certainly not trying to say it's hopeless. I just, right. you know, you, just you didn't strike it's, while it's hot. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to be as bad as you think it's going to be. We'll see, I guess. Um, in, like... I don't know. In like three years, we'll have to fact check this. So somebody, somebody make a note of this and we'll come and revisit this in, uh, 2025. So yeah. All right. Another great question from Mike here. Uh, Mike Midwood. What is the best original Zelda game not developed by Nintendo? Well, this is easy, Allison. Easy. It's the Minish Cap. And I think it's the Minish Cap by a country mile, actually. (laughs) I was going to say Faces of Evil. (laughs) Um, what else is not produced by Nintendo? I'm not uh, very good at that, at this side of the Zelda. Uh, so we have, franchise. we have the Oracle games made by Capcom and the Minish Cap also made by Capcom. We have obviously the CDI games made by Philips. We have the, uh, the Hyrule Warriors games okay. by, uh, Kui Tecmo or Kui Tecmo or however you say it. Um, we have Cadence of Hyrule. Um, if you if you want to get kind of specific, even though I feel like it's cheating a little bit, you could say like Grezzo, who worked on Majora's Mask 3D, Ocarina of Time 3D, Link's Awakening. I feel those don't really count to me because like the game was made and they just kind of tweaked it. But yeah, I guess if you um, want to say that, you could. I would I would probably agree and say Minish Cap. It's the most like um, the Oracle games are very Zelda like too, but it's the most Zelda like esque like super follows the formula that sort of thing right. um type of zelda game and therefore i think it's probably the better but i do like the different aspects of games like the cdi games uh the hyrule warriors which is okay in my book not as not as uh you know not as high priority for me but i do like those aspects i just think the most zelda-esque from a different uh producer would have to be minish cap yeah i think that that's a uh... The clear winner, in my eyes. Um, This is from Heather. What is the pattern on Link's sleeve in the new Breath of the Wild 2 footage? Well, Heather, I know that you are a big Studio Ghibli fan, so it would serve you well to go and listen to our episode a few, I guess, months ago now, on uh, Princess Mononoke, because we detail in length what exactly we think is going on with Link's arm. Yeah, 
I, it definitely seems like some kind of corruption or poison is going on with his arm. Um, I'm trying to look at a close-up picture now because it's definitely like we've definitely seen more after that last update. He's He's got it all. It's like all blackened and then it seems like bound too. But there's even markings that are going up on his chest. And they look very like, like kind of like the Twilight Squares that you see in twilight princess when they're like floating up in the air kind of but right. i don't know it's definitely it's definitely like moving up his arm i feel i think it has like some sort of life like we discussed in the princess mononoke episode i i feel pretty confident about that prediction i really do i feel i feel like the footage that we saw at e3 2019 is from the very beginning of the game and that's what happens to link's hand and and that's going to be the thread that gives him new powers i mean we've already seen him use his arm using ruins in the trailer that we saw at e3 this year so i i feel very confident about that pick yep so yeah have to see. all right um mike has another great one here what is the most underrated zelda song oh Ooh. that's hard that is hard um Wow. Like, uh, no, because, well, I guess maybe it depends on... We have such an influence here at Zelda Dungeon with uh, hearing different takes on different songs, so I'm trying to think from the perspective of, like, somebody outside right. of our circle here. So I feel like um, probably Spirit Tracks Overworld might be... Oh, come on. No way. Like, outside of our circle, because how many people do you really think, like, play those games all right, and get into all right. that? You know what I mean? Okay. You know what? I'm going to throw a song out there that we have never, ever talked about on this show, ever. It's never been in Musical March Madness, but I guarantee you that if you heard it, you would start humming along instantly. In fact, okay. can I actually play this song for you, Al? Oh, I hope I can hear it. <laughs> All right. Tell me if you can hear this. Okay. Inside the house. Yeah. Inside, like we never talk about that song, but it's like it's such a classic, right? Like it just makes you happy. It's it's whimsical. It's it's happy. You know, it's, like it's a great little tune. Part. I like the beginning part when you like walk in the door and it's like do do do, and then it starts going. I love it. Especially, especially Al, if it's like kind of nighttime outside and you don't have like a lot of that comforting background music going on. Right. Uh, I I was I think that this might be the most underrated song in the series because it's like it's a constant throughout the entire series, but nobody ever talks about it ever. It's a good one. I don't know. I I guess I can see what you're saying about the the Spirit Tracks Overworld song. Although I don't know if I actually disagree. I don't know if I agree with that because even that song is it's in like Super Smash Bros. There's a stage that has like that song as the main theme. Um, so I I don't know about that. I think that most people at least know that song and uh but i guess that most people you know, know the inside I didn't the house for the too. longest time because i never played that game so i like i honestly didn't know about it until i started working for zelda dungeon well, I didn't maybe, know maybe it's just because i'm sick of hearing was. about it at zelda dungeon because mossies and lock are like <laughs> this is the best song in the series and it's like you know what the song is not bad okay it's not bad <laughs> but it's not the best song of the series let's get out of here um <laughs> well that wasn't the question <laughs> all right well you got me there. Shkel is back with another great daily debate. Should the Triforce play a bigger role in the sequel 
to Breath of the Wild. Yep. Sure. Yeah, sure. It's okay either way, I think, because they didn't have it very highly, you know, uh, like, explored in Breath of the Wild. But I think it would be kind of fun, especially if we're digging into, like, I don't know, maybe some origins of the, the hero story from however many thousand years ago and, like, Ganondorf and why the heck he's all petrified down in the depths of caves and whatnot. I think it would be cool to kind of understand more about the Triforce, especially when there's, like, hints of it. I feel people have been discussing, like, the glow on Link's hand might be the Triforce or something. Be interesting. Uh, Yeah, I I feel like I agree with that. Um, I I don't know that I want it, like, shoehorned in there if it doesn't make sense. Right. But I I think that, you know, it's obviously a, a very important part of the series, and the series is lore, so... You know, it, it was a little bit conspicuous in its absence from Breath of the Wild. So I, I do think that it should, I don't know, show up at the very least in Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, and I guess, like, th- there is some, some timeline implications as well. And maybe that's why it didn't show up in Breath of the Wild. Because, like, the Triforce we kind of know is, you know, really, really assigned in Ocarina of Time to, to these heroes here. So I guess maybe if they showed it in... Breath of the Wild, that might, I don't know, kind of firmly or more more kind of hint at where this game might take place in the timeline or not. And I think Nintendo just kind of wanted to get away with that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see, though. Let's move on. Um, next question comes from Sid Purry. Should Breath of the Wild 2 include a Cave of Ordeals slash Savage Labyrinth style dungeon? Uh, I don't know, Al. What do you think? See it? Uh, I could see that happening, especially because of how, um, you know, the enemies are kind of ranked by their color and whatnot. And it would be interesting if they come up with new enemies and that sort of thing to have those pop up in a Cave of Ordeals-like situation. Right. My problem is that over the last, like, five years that I have been fighting so many of these dang moblins and bokoblins and uh lionels because we had them not only in breath of the wild but also in uh hyrule warriors age of calamity so i just feel like i'm kind of over fighting hordes of these monsters and i wouldn't really want to see that uh i agree i I actually think that uh you're gonna have to help me out here because the name is escaping me but the the optional mode in breath of the wild like the first dlc trial of the sword is that what i'm is that what i'm thinking of Something of that nature. I guess you're right. That would, yeah, Trial of the Sword would be kind of that. Yeah, I, I don't think it was called Trial of the Sword, and I feel like a fool for not remembering what it's called. But um, everyone listening knows what I'm talking about. So that, that to me, is a little bit more exciting. Because uh, I feel like the Cave of Ordeals and Savage Labyrinth were both kind of like, you were just on one generic floor, you fought a bunch of enemies, and like you kind of moved on. Whereas the, the um, I keep on wanting to call it the Cave of Trials, and that's not what it's called. The, the Trial of the Sword, I'm going to look up what it's yeah. called. But, that like, that one had some environmental aspects to it as well, where, like, you could use, like, uh, you know, like, the, the environment around you, like, trees, forts, whatever, um, to to also combat the enemies. And I thought that that was a little bit more, I don't know, exciting, engaging, rather than just, like, fighting over and over and over the same thing. The Master Trials is what the hell it's called. Actually, no, it is called the Trial of the Sword. The DLC is called the the, tr- the Master Trials, and it's called the Trial of the Sword. So we took yeah. forever to figure out this very simple mystery, Al. But we got there. 
Um, all right, let's uh, let's answer another question from Cora here, and this is topical because we uh, we talked about a Zelda-like game last week. But uh, Cora asks, "What makes for a good Zelda-like game?" So I, if I can go and uh, and say here, I think that I think a lot of people would be tempted to say dungeons, and I don't necessarily disagree with that but i kind of do also in a sense where like i feel like a good zelda like game will have a sense of exploration whimsicalness and kind of like a a a pure like hero um and there will be a lot of like obviously emphasis on puzzles in the environment that you go to as well but that would be kind of my ideal recipe for a zelda like game is just it's more about the tone and the tenor than it is the actual, like, gameplay and what you do in the game. Um, but I, I don't know that there's, like, a single great definition for it. I agree. That's kind of what I was going to say, too, because Tunic didn't really have dungeons. It had areas, and you could treat them like dungeons if you wanted to, but I feel like it's kind of reaching to treat them like a dungeon. Mm-hmm. So, But it was still a great Zelda-like game. Um, I think what you said about the puzzles in your environment is perfect because you can have puzzles in a dungeon, you can have puzzles outside in an area, and it still feels very Zelda-esque. Um, and, you know, kind of having this uh, this motive to save the world and figure out what's going on, why it's in the state that it's in is also very Zelda-esque too. So, um, yeah, anything like that always feels like a very good Zelda-like game to me. Um, I should probably also throw in there as well that I, I think that item progression and the uh, acquiring new unique items that can open up the world a little bit is also a pretty significant factor of a good yeah, Zelda-like game. Yeah, upgrading your health and yeah. your uh, um, the power of your items and that kind of stuff is, yeah. Just like, I mean, like finding like a hookshot or like for, in Tunic's case, what was it called? Like the, the frog tongue or something like that? <laughs> something. It was some kind of magical whip because it required magic. Oh, maybe maybe you just got it in like the frog place. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't. Know. I think the, the those are all some good ingredients, but there's no perfect uh, recipe for a good Zelda right. game. Um, this is from Jill. Should Tingle make an appearance in Breath of the Wild too? Yes, I think that's a perfect environment for him to make an appearance. <laughs> you know, what my father used to always ask me when I asked a question like this. What? <laughs> what? Do bears poop in the woods? <laughs> oh, God. And the answer is yes. Uh, yeah, totally. If Beetle can show up in Breath of the Wild, Tingle can show up in Breath of the Wild as well. I think that that is a no-brainer. Yep. So, yeah. I really hope it happens. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's keep it going here. This is from Michaela. Kayla asks, should Nintendo port Ocarina of Time 3D and Majora's Mask 3D to the Switch? Well, I gotta say, I don't I don't necessarily think they should, but even if I did, it would never happen, since both Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask are already available on the Switch. I mean, if you really think about it, the 3DS, or the DS family of consoles is very much dead like i haven't touched it and i will never touch it for any reason other than the marathon and so and those are like very like awesome remakes of those games yes you do have those games on the switch 
in a way, but they're also the N64 version. So I feel like it would be smart to have them on the Switch or whatever console comes up in the future, but I, you know, it probably won't isn't likely to happen. I think it is. I don't think it's going to happen. I, the only way I could see it happening is if we got like a Zelda 3D All-Stars or something like that. Maybe. I mean, if you really think about it, like how much longer do you think these DS systems are going to last? And then you, you know, forever kind of lose those games unless they get ported somewhere. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure that eventually you'll be able to either buy or... I, I do think that you'll be able to buy them on like some sort of virtual console or something like that. Um, but yeah, your, your point is well made. I, I do think that, I don't think they're coming on Switch, because like I said, the, the other two games are, al are already there, easy for me to say, but I do think that, you know, don't rule it out if uh, Nintendo on their next console or whatever launches like a, a legitimate, like full-blown virtual console where like you can select by games or something to that effect, whatever. Yeah. Um, because like, there are some, some definite improvements in those games over right. the originals. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, all right. This is a great question from Sid. Let me see here. How would you like a game featuring an, an elder link? That's worded kind of weird, but the gist of the question is how would you like to play as like an old version of link in a game? I don't know. We had this question kind of beforehand and I would love it. I don't know if you're like playing as this older Link, um, or, you know, maybe this older Link is guiding the latest Link or something, or the latest hero if it's not Link. I think that would be super cool. I'd love to have, like, an older version of him that has all this wisdom and, like, knowledge on how to... I mean, I guess the, the Shade is the perfect example, passing down the knowledge to the next hero, you know? Right. Yeah, this, this kind of scenario always reminds me of, like, Old Man Logan like the storyline from the X-Men comics where like, and I, uh, if you ever saw the movie Logan, that's basically an adaptation of that movie where Logan is kind of old past his prime breaking down, but there's a new hero and a new, a, a new, I guess, uh, hero is the word I'll stick to that kind of gives him a new lease on life and a new purpose for life. And, uh, I think that that could be engaging in a Zelda game. I do. I think that uh, I think that I would maybe prefer prefer it though if it was like kind of like what you said about the hero shade where it's like there's Link and then there is like old or in this case dead Link and it's kind of like I don't know it's it's not like a complete replacement where like old Link is the main character but if we had a game where you played as like a newer Link or maybe a newer character or something like that um and link was like old link was let's say your companion i think that could be kind of cool and you could get some story mileage out of that yeah sure also like a game where it's just a much older link that starts the journey and becomes the hero versus you know what we've had in the past which is mostly like child or teens i'd right. like to have like an older but that would mostly just cater to us who have been around for the last 30 years and not so much like a new audience i don't think it would have to be like kind of an older more mature game i guess right um okay let's do two more and then let's get out of here al this is from heather what is the most important aspect of a zelda game for you so let's just assume that 
quality is not in question, that the game is fun, that, you know, the music, is, well, maybe not the music, but like, let's just assume that the game is fun, it's good, it's it's a great Zelda game. What is the most important part of why that game is great to you? I have like three things, like exploration, obviously. I love finding little hidey holes and all that kind of stuff and finding secret spots. I love that. Um, the kind of whimsicalness of the fantasy, I love that because it's very it makes it for a very immersive experience but also something that kind of challenges my brain but not in an extremely hard or difficult way just something that makes me think for a second like how to solve problems use your environment around you use the items that you've acquired up until then something of that nature right i think i'm wrestling between two so i'm just gonna say them both since you just said like eight things so the first <laughs> is the aesthetic of the game, I feel like is very important to me. Um, obviously, I beat up on Twilight Princess a lot on this show because I just, like, the aesthetic really doesn't work for me at all. Like, nothing about the way that that game looks and feels and, and smells. Like, I, it just, it doesn't work for me, and it kind of takes me out of the experience, whereas a game like Breath of the Wild or Ocarina of Time is so whimsical and so fantastical. And I was, I was talking about earlier with Hebra, like, there are parts that are, like, so lonely and foreign, and then in... Ocarina of Time or Minish Cat, there's parts that are so joyous and, and jubilant that, like, the, the tone and tenor of the of the game, I feel like, is a very, very important part of it to me. And the other thing that I think goes hand-in-hand hand with that is the music has to be, like, awesome. Um, which Zelda, luckily, is known for its awesome music. But I feel like, like, a game that has, and a Zelda game specifically, that has, like, this incredible music that feeds into the atmosphere and then the atmosphere feeds into the music creates like a perfect fusion to me. Like I'll always go back to the forest temple in Ocarina of Time as like a good example of that where like the music informs the atmosphere, the atmosphere informs the music, it all comes together and you could, I mean the aesthetic really, the two things that I just say about like really kind of work in correlation with each other to create an incredible experience and um, you could look at examples of that all across the Zelda series, even in Breath of the Wild, where, like, there's not a ton of music to be had. A lot of it's, like, kind of subtle, you know, ambient noise in the background, but that can that can work as well. Um, and then you have, like, the other side of that, where it's, like, a fight like Monk Mask Kashio just feels so intense and so awesome, and you've got the setting and you've got the music. So two separate things there, music and, this, and aesthetic, but I feel like they're actually, like, kind of two sides of the same coin, in a sense. So that's... That's important to me, other than obviously the game itself being fun and good. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> right. Like, I, I, I might be more willing to give Triforce Heroes a pass if it was fun and or good, but it's not. So that doesn't work, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> Nothing, nothing back. Okay, let's. Nope, I'm just like <laughs> letting it. I'm letting it sit. <laughs> All right, last question here, Al. This should be a fun one. Uh, fun, more fun for you because you know this series better than I do. What Zelda locations would you like to see as a new Mario Kart course? Remember a couple weeks ago when uh, when the Nintendo Direct happened, and I was just like, man, why don't they just do like what they did with Smash Bros. and reveal like franchise packs with like zelda racers and zelda courses and like yeah you know fire emblem courses and stuff like that that would be so good i just want to take a minute and reiterate how good that would be because i'm looking at this image of link on his master cycle and hyrule circuit this is awesome yeah. so good 
But uh, what do you think, Al? I'm thinking like the first that popped to my mind is something out of Skyward Sword. I think it like, you know, the, the different surface areas, you got Farron Woods, you've got the desert and you've got, you know, Elden Volcano. I think if you can incorporate all of those, like not into one, but like have three separate kind of courses, but incorporate the entirety of those areas, including like this, the fresh stuff that you come back and explore. I think that'd be kind of cool. Like, could you just imagine like racing through the pirate stronghold and then like um, making your way and you wind up on that like roller coaster craziness that's in the the sand sea area of uh skyward sword i think something like that would be awesome yeah i'd be down and um, it's like matches it matches mario kart visually too like that kind of aesthetic i think that like death mountain would be great like you you have just like a you could ride up the actual mountain there would be boulders coming down at you you could incorporate like fire in there you could uh sail down back to the beginning if you want after your first race is done um that could be cool you know what you know what could be cool is like lawn lawn ranch even though it'd be kind of similar to that mario kart 64 stage but like like there could be cows and kukos and stuff flying everywhere that could be kind of fun <laughs> yeah um i don't know i like i feel like part of me is just like well i don't want to suggest all the places that are like already smash Bros stages but i mean like you know gerudo valley would be sweet um the Great Plateau would be sweet. There, there's so many like good locations that they could pull from, from the Zelda series to make great tracks. That it's it's actually like I'm pretty sure that the next Mario Kart game is is literally just gonna be like Smash Kart. I'm pretty sure. Something like that. That would be a lot of fun. I I think it is because like, I to me it kind of feels like, what more can you do with with Mario like with Mario right. Kart right like like do we really want to play as like Baby Rosalina? Or do we want to play as, like, Captain Falcon or Samus? Or, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, exactly. I think that I think that's a genius move, honestly. I'm a little bit surprised that it hasn't happened already, to be honest. Right? And, but. I mean, Mario Kart 8 has been around for so long. They have to have been working on something in all this time. Yes, but, I mean, like, the game is still selling, like... Like, it's going out of style. Like, I just... I don't know what to... That game is actually mind-boggling how well Mario Kart 8 is selling. Like, what is it? Uh, six... It's almost six years after the... No, it's almost five years after the release of the game on the Switch. And I don't even know when that game came out on the Wii U. Neither. I'd have to look that up. Like, it's crazy. There are more people buying that game than watching hockey in Canada. It's It's outrageous. So, yeah, I think Smash Card's coming. I think it there is. There we go. Is that what it's going to be called? I don't know. I don't know. I think they no, I think they probably keep calling it Mario Kart. 2014. This game is almost 10 years old. That that is holy cow. Right? And so you would think that they're working on something big cuz when that game first came out and especially when it got ported to the Switch, I, in my mind I was like, I think they're done with Mario Kart. Like I can't see them going anywhere further with mario kart yeah but they could go farther with quote-unquote smash kart that would be cool well i think i think that's where it's headed because i mean like i said like you know who who the hell wants to play as like cat peach or gold mario over like some of the some of the people that we know and love from smash mm -hmm. so we'll see you know what they really need to do they really need to remaster diddy kong racing <laughs> which is still this game is 25 years old it's still the best kart racer of all time. Still. 
It was so much fun playing that with my brothers when I was younger. It's one of my favorite games. It's like a top 10 favorite game of mine, actually. I love that game. So there it is. Um, all right, well, there there it is. Thank you to all of the writers over at ZeldaDungeon.net for supplying us with some, uh, some fodder for this week's show and for your great daily debate questions. Of course, you can check out a new daily debate every day over on ZeldaDungeon.net. And you can check us out every week wherever you get your podcasts over on Podbean or Apple or Spotify or Google. All of the locations will have all the episodes of the Champions cast available. And uh, we would love it if you could give us a five-star review and recommend us to that Zelda fan in your life. And while you're doing all that, check us out over on Twitter. I'm at Spateri316. Allison is at Allison Aletha. We are going to get out of here for this week. But we'll see you back here, same Zelda time, same Zelda channel next week. Until then, take care. <laughs>